You guys heard the scripture already this morning. Um, and I just want to read the last couple of, of sentences of that, of that scripture. Where the Israelites are crying out to God and they say, Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Look on us, we pray, for we are your people. Your sacred cities have become a wasteland, and even Zion is a wasteland, Jerusalem a desolation, our holy and glorious temple where our ancestors praised you has been burned with fire, and all that we've treasured lies in ruins. After all this, Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure? It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, it's very easily uh, understood that when everything seems to be lost, when homes and lives are destroyed by war or natural disaster, when it seems that there are life situations where there is no way out, we call it hopeless. Living life in the dark. And that's where our text lands us today right in the middle of a hopeless situation. You see, the Israelites, after decades of exile in Babylon, they are finally free to return to their homeland, and they get there only to find it is completely destroyed and barren. What they thought would be a joyous homecoming has ended in feelings of despair. They told the stories of this place to their children and their grandchildren, only to return to a place that was unrecognizable. And in their despair, they feel this incredible distance from God. And they question whether or not God himself is going to listen to them, is going to hear them, is going to work on their behalf. And in the midst of this great sorrow, they raise up a great lament to God. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. I love that word, that you would rend. We use that, that particular word and interpretation of word in another place in the Bible. On the day of Jesus' crucifixion, when he hangs on the cross and he finally willingly gives up his life. And he says, it is finished and it says that the curtain of the Holy of Holies was rent in two. And that, that idea that God would rend the heavens, that he would, he would totally tear open the heavens so that they could see him again, that they would know he's listening. The imagery here gives us great sense of longing for God to be revealed and for God to intervene, for God to interject some kind of light in the midst of this darkness to bring about hope. In a seemingly hopeless situation, they're asking for God to show us a glimmer of hope. You see, Advent always starts in the dark. You heard earlier when Hallie Ann read, and she talked about the 400 years of silence between the prophets and the time that Jesus came. 
Remember, the people followed. They followed the kings. They followed the judges. They heard the prophets. They, they, they listened to God through other people. And then there was nothing. So when John the Baptist shows up, as strange as he might be, eating grasshoppers, wearing camel's hair, and he begins preaching out in the middle of nowhere, this idea of baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, you can see why people paid attention, why they heard what he was saying, why they listened, why they flocked to, to hear him preach. And why when Jesus showed up, that, that oftentimes they, the, the different religious people of the day would comment and say, wow, this man reads scripture with such great authority. Are you Elijah? These people had not heard from God. They had been in a very dark place for centuries. And could we agree today as the body of Christ that we, many of us here today, find ourselves in a dark time again, waiting for Jesus to return and make all things new? But while we wait, we wait as the body of Christ, we have found like the Israelites that we find ourselves in a dark time. And I want you to write something down. I want you to write this down. Because of their hopeless situation, the Judeans cry out and lament to God. I know I kind of skipped around. Go ahead, Kevin, skip down. It's got bright yellow letters in it. Because of their hopeless situation, the Judeans cry out in lament to God. Do you know, okay, you know how okay it is to lament? I think we as the church have forgotten how to lament. Now, lamenting is not whining. Lamenting is not crying. Keep going, Kevin. Keep going all the way till you hit some yellow letters. You'll see it. Great big yellow letters. Lamenting is pouring your heart out to God, and it's okay. One time somebody, somebody told me, you know, it's okay to be angry with God. Right? You guys get that, Right? It's okay for us to not like the situation that surrounds us and to say to God, God, we don't like this. God, this is not okay. You know, he's a big enough God that he can handle that. He has in the past. They wonder where God is. They feel as if they've been abandoned. They want to know why God would leave them in this way. And they ask God to draw near. They ask him to come down. They ask him to make himself known. They're asking for visible intercession from God. And then, I love this, they recall the ways that God has interceded in the past. They're wondering where God is all this time because they've heard their entire lives these miraculous stories surrounding Abraham, Noah, Moses, how God established the Hebrew children and saved them from slavery in Egypt. They'd heard the stories about being led through the Red Sea on dry ground. My question to you this morning is, have you lamented? Have you cried out to God, asking him to come down and make himself known in a visible, tangible way? 
Are we calling on the God of promise as the body of Christ? Or have we forgotten the promises of God? Have we been living in the dark for too long? Well, I said Advent starts in the dark. But you may notice that the Israelites, they do not stay in their state of lament. You see, the lament of the Judeans leads them to confession. And I want you to write that down. This is important. This is so important for you to hear. As they petition God to draw close and to reveal his power to them, the lament shifts to confession because they have continued to sin and no one calls on the name of the Lord anymore. And there is this honesty, this just bare honesty. This lament turned confession. And it's a communal confession. You see, they turn their, their focus away from what they're asking God to do and towards what they believe have caused God to turn away from them. And you have to realize something. That for 400 years, while they have not heard the voice of God, you've got to realize none of these individuals had been born when all of the sins that they're talking about happened. When the nation of Israel entered exile, they weren't to blame for that. It was their ancestors, the ones who came before them. Which means that this confession isn't about individual acts, but it's about who they are and have historically been as a community of people. It's about corporate sin. Ways that they as a society and as a people have forsaken God. Ways that they have been disobedient to whom God has called them to be. And that begs us to ask the question, who has God called Israel to be? And who does God call us to be today? God calls, called Israel to be a hospitable people. A people who are welcoming, a people who love God and love others. And they repeatedly lived in opposition to who they were called to be. Can we see this idea forming in the scriptures? We heard it in verse 5 where they said, we continued to sin. In verse 6, they included all of us. In verse 7, they said, no one. Those are some pretty big words. All of us, no one, we continued. You see, this act of confession shows a shift in their thinking that God isn't to blame for his silence or for their present circumstances. They have a responsibility. They have to own their choices and actions. They have gotten themselves into the current situation. And even in their desperation, they still believe that God is listening to them. Can I say that again? Even in their desperation, they trust that God is listening to them. Confession and lament often go hand in hand. You know, lament is the act of crying out about our circumstances. Confession is a plea for forgiveness and a plea for right relationship with God. In both lament and confession, they long for something to be restored and be renewed. So let me ask you this, as a church, as the body of Christ, what is it that we as a people need to confess? Have we lived up to that measure? That's really the only measurement 
that we need to measure ourselves against, right, is the Word of God and who He calls us to be as the church. Are we hospitable, welcoming people who are known for loving God and loving others? What part of you are you longing to have restored? Well, I want you to write one more thing down because they reach a point where there's nothing left to say. And I want you to think about that for a moment. I don't know if you realize this, but if you read the scripture in your Bible, you will notice that it's arranged in, in chapters and verses, right? And in this particular piece of scripture, there is a gap between verse 7 and verse 8. Do you know why? Because there's a gap in the text that we interpret into English. And that gap means something. It seems as if they have expressed so much despair that they have nothing left to say. And you know what? There's times when we go to God and there is just nothing left to say. When we pour our heart out to him, all that's left is complete and absolute hopelessness. But I love that after the gap... The tone of the text changes. You see, there are glimmers of hope that eventually appear, and that happens in verse 8. Glimmers of hope appear because God now becomes father. God becomes the potter. The people are now the clay. They're expecting God to do some kind of work from his hand to them personally. Their circumstances hasn't changed. They're still looking at a desolate place. Jerusalem is still in ruins. The temple is, is obliterated. They face insurmountable odds. What shifts is their view of God. Their relationship with God. In the midst of this hopeless situation, they continue to have hope. Not because of the good the people have done. Not because of their confession. Not because they have shown good or right actions. There is hope not because of the circumstances. Their homeland is still in ruin. They have no triumphal homecoming. They have nowhere to live. They have hope because of who God is. Think about that for a moment. Think about your situations for a moment. The situations of family members for a moment. The situations of people you may know. Can we still have hope because of who God is? Do we believe in him? The Israelites claimed that God is their father. That's tremendous. This is about a relationship. They express their, express their confidence in God who loves them in spite of their failings. And doesn't God love us the same way? He is a good, good father. Not only is God the Israelites' father, but he is the potter working and molding them, actively moving in ways that make God's people look more like him and less like them. Isn't that what we want today in our own lives? The Israelites also see that they are God's people. After the lament and the confession, they remember who they are. They remember their identity. 
as a blessed child of God, even in the middle of ruin and desolation, they remain the people of God. And just like them way back then, there is hope for us too. Even in the midst of a hopeless situation on this first Sunday of Advent, Many of us are walking through or toward or are in so seemingly hopeless situations. We may be looking ahead at spending time with family with deep apprehension. But you know what? There is hope for us too in the midst of our situation. We often look to the holidays and and it it seems to get put on, on TV and out in, out in the public. It just seems to be this wonderful, joyous time. The most wonderful time of the year, right? And for many people, that is true. But even in this year, in this time of the pandemic, we've seen where families have had to pull back and not get together. We have families who are longing for a picture-perfect holiday, but it's tattered by addiction and unhealthy relationships, the loss of a loved one. Some of us walk towards the holiday season for the first time, missing a loved one who should be with us, and it's different And they can't put their finger on it. They can't understand why. But it's just too different. It's become a season of distress and heartache. Others may be looking towards a great year only to be faced with financial hardship or illness. And we wonder, how are we going to make it? God feels so far away. Where are you, God, in the midst of this pain? in the midst of the sickness, in the midst of the hopeless situations. We need to remember what the Israelites did. They looked back. They remembered. And while we may be in the midst of pain and in the midst of a hopeless situation, it is up to us to look back at where God has worked in the past and ask ourselves, what has he done in my life? Confession is an important part of Advent. Not all of our hopeless situations are caused by our own choices. They're not caused by our own sins. Sometimes they're caused by the choice of, us, of others. But you know what? There are places where we know we need to confess. You see, sometimes we as the body of Christ have participated in collective action that has wronged others. Other times we might need to confess our attitudes or our thoughts. Remember, I got to tell you this. Jesus did say it's the thought that counts. <laughs> You remember the story, the woman who was caught in adultery? Okay, you can stone her, he said, but only those who have not lusted in their hearts. Jesus said it's the thought that counts. Maybe we've had a wrong attitude. Maybe we need to confess our attitudes and thoughts in response to others. Maybe we don't always think of Advent as a time of confession, but I got to tell you, when we confess, it often leads us to look at things differently. If we are to lament and confess in the midst of our desperation, we are led to remember who God is. And by remembering who God is, 
we can remember who we are. Our circumstances during this Advent season may not change. There may be hopeless situations that we all face that might still be facing us as the day of Christmas comes and goes. But God is still our Father. God is still the potter. And God still desires relationship with us, each and every one, in spite of our circumstances. God desires to craft us and shape us and make us into who he has for us to be in spite of what we've done. We're still God's people. We're not forsaken. As God's beloved people, we have a hope that God is still doing a new thing in us. The true hope for the world is still a long time coming from the perspective of our text this morning. But we have the honor of seeing more deeply into the story because we know, we know how it's going to turn out for the Israelites. And that doesn't mean that we don't face our own hopeless situations today because we don't know how our own stories are going to go. We may yet have years ahead of us of crying out to God, where are you? Jesus, come quickly. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote this Christian poem in which he said, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. We can feel that despair deeply in our text today. And we often feel it deeply in our lives but I'm here to tell you that there is hope. Not because of what uh, any of us are going to do. Not because things are going to work out and it's going to be better someday. There is hope not because everything's going to be wrapped up with a pretty bow and it's going to be all wonderful on Christmas morning. There's not going to be hope because the government is going to do something to rescue us. Oh yeah, it's not going to be there's not going to be hope because we have a vaccine for the virus. That's not where my hope and my trust and my faith is. There is hope because God still hears us cry out. Just like God heard his children cry out thousands of years ago, there is hope because God hears us today. We are still God's people Christmas is coming. It's the day that we celebrate the light of the world coming into earth. We'll rejoice over the birth of Jesus Christ. In the midst of our darkness today, as we expect Christ to come a second time, we are a people of hope because we are still the children of God. In the midst of the darkness we can still cling to hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, Lord God, I often believe that we as the church have forgotten who you are. You are the great I am. You have created everything out of nothing, breathing into humanity this special breath of life, that causes us to think and reason. 
Lord God, you have given us this ability to feel and have emotions. And Lord God, you have created us in your image. Lord God, that we would be able to love you and love others. Help us, oh God, help us. And Lord God, as the church, I honestly believe that we have, in forgetting who you are, that we have forgotten that it is up to us, that we are to love you with everything that we are, and we are to love others as we love ourselves. And so, Lord God, today we come to you in this time of Advent. And Lord God, we cry out to you and we ask you, where are you? Where are you in this darkness, in this, in this time of sickness, Lord God, this thing that we call a global pandemic? Heavenly Father, God, have you forgotten that we're here? Lord God, we often feel as if we have been forgotten. But we must remember that it is us that have forgotten you. We often leave you at home or leave you at church on Sunday. We have forgotten to take you with us into the world where we live and, and do so many different things. And so, Father God, today we confess that we have forgotten who you are, the great I am. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. The God who led the Hebrew children in the desert by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Lord God, you are the one true living God. And you are our Father. Lord God, because we have forgotten who you are, we have forgotten who we are in you. That when we remain in you and you remain in us, that we are connected on a way that is, is unexplainable, but that you flow in us and through us to affect the world around us. And Lord God, we have forgotten. You are a good, good father. We love you and we thank you. Do not leave us in these dark times, Lord God, but bring us closer back to you. Let us draw near to you and would you, would you draw near to us and make yourself known even today, this very moment. Holy Spirit, would you flow in us and through us? Lord God, that you may expand your kingdom. We praise you and we thank you for all that you've done. And Lord God, we expectantly await your son's return. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we await your return again. Lord God, that you would come to receive your people. And it's expectantly that we wait in the hope of a risen Savior. In Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen.